Hello and welcome back to Let's Grow Girls, your favourite flowery podcast, I hope. <laughs> we hope so. And this week we are joined by Camilla and Marianne from Wolves Lane Flower Company, which is a London-based urban flower farm with an ethical, sustainable and organic approach to growing. I feel like that was quite a mouthful there. Um, I copy from your website, I have to admit, ladies. Uh, welcome to the show today. <laughs> Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking us. And thank you for joining us. We've wanted to get you on the show for a little while, but you ladies are super busy, so we're really really glad we managed to get this squeezed in between babies and flower cutting and everything else that's going on in your lives at the moment Thank brilliant you. yes <laughs> kicks off it's a little bit hard to keep your head above the water yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's especially at this time of year isn't it because it's such a busy season for or busy time for starting next year's stuff as well as this year's stuff going going nuts so thank you very much for joining us today and it's our first time in a long time that we've got two guests on so that's a a fun thing for the listeners today too so before we get started talking about your growing space we'd love to know a little bit more about both of you and how you got into flower farming so I obviously like a a good researcher or interviewer I did a little bit of um, internet stalking before we we did we did this subtle well exactly yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too much of a stalker if I actually tell you that I'm a stalker right <laughs> and so I, I know that you both had quite different jobs before you came to the flower farming world but it'd be really interesting to know like kind of how you both came to it Camilla do you want to start us off sure we were actually both producers before we were flower farmers but yeah we worked in quite different industries I worked in fashion and class and Marianne worked in dance and theatre but we'd been friends since university and we'd always had this joke um, of a life of soil together God <laughs> really I think what triggered us to start thinking properly about growing flowers was actually Marianne's wedding and got married in 2015 I think she's not she's not telling me but it was sometime then and um, Marianne actually at the time like neither of us grew flowers at the time like I had a garden and um, I think did you have an allotment then or did you just have a little garden anyway I did have an allotment yes yeah. I've had an allotment for a year and and then but Mar- where Marianne is from there's like all these incredible growers because she's from the west country and she's got all her bouquets and buttonholes from organic blooms who are incredible trailblazing growers in the west country absolutely we've had them on oh And all the remaining flowers came from, they literally came from Marianne's parents, friends, gardens. It was just the most inspiring and incredible thing I had seen. Because I hate it when people say stuff like this because it sounds so corny and it's like the kind of thing that people say. But they did literally turn up with armfuls of, armfuls of del- delphiniums. I'd, like, I'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> you see that thing in a flower market, but you don't see it mm-hmm. at someone's country, very normal. But like, you know, it was, it was a lovely wedding, but like women just turning up with like buckets and buckets of flowers and I think that sowed the seed I'll I'll, I'll let you tell the rest Marianne yes so we didn't have any aspirations at that point of my wedding to be becoming flower farmers or florists it was just as Camilla described it was just a kind of quite relaxed joyful bunging flowers in vases kind of occasion and we cut down my neighbour's pittosporum 
tree. She wanted it down. Um, she was on board, and we. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just a theft. <laughs> it wasn't theft. It was. It was actually um, some free tree surgery for her, so that Excellent. worked out well. And we kind of bound these big branches of pittosporum against the pillars inside the marquee. It was. It was amazing. It was kind of you know we had no idea, so we didn't have any thoughts about mechanics. It was just let's just make it look good for today. And yeah, that was that was little did we know at that point that we would be beginning a couple of years later a, a flower growing and floristry business together as Camilla said I, I worked as a theatre producer and with dance companies and I think the common thread for both of us was we just had enough of sitting at a desk facilitating other people's creativity and we wanted to be more kind of connected with the immediacy of nature and the seasons and I I don't think we would have been able to articulate that that was our driver at that particular moment in time. But looking back, I think we were both searching for something that would would give us that kind of real visceral connection with with the world that we live in, you know, the natural world that we live in. And it evolved very organically. I live down the road from the site that we now operate on. We discovered that the site was looking for people to take it on and start growing projects there. We undertook a really roller coaster of an experience of pitching some ideas. There was a lot of like infighting local politics. It was all quite um, dramatic in a small world <laughs> kind of community group kind of uh, vibe. But the long and short of it was we we were able to get our foot in the door of a glass house and get that space to grow in. We started that in April 2017 and hit the ground running really very naively without much experience slash any experience of growing commercially. But as there's two of us, we've always managed to support each other in learning as we go and just um, and making it up as we go along to some extent. And I don't mean that to sound like we're, we're careless in what we do, but we, we have had to push ourselves out of our comfort zone a lot to just, you know, learn about flower growing as we go. And I think that's... Um, yeah, that's something that everyone, you don't need to have loads of qualifications to just give this a go. I think that'll probably resonate with a lot of the people that are listening because it doesn't seem to be a lot of resource out there generally about like just how you start growing flowers for, for commercial use, do they? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, books on allotment growing and when to plant your courgette seeds and mm. when to, you know, do this, that and the other. But there's nothing really like that says, the bit that I, I struggled with, you mentioned the glass house. I've just recently taken on a polytunnel. Nobody tells you the soil is like the Sahara Desert. Nobody mm. tells you that. I mean, like now I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, duh, that place is 50 degrees. It's not. It's not going to be like lush and fertile like outside. But this stuff isn't written down anywhere, is it? You just have to dive yeah. in. It's d- glasshouse growing and and um to a certain extent polytunnel growing is is really tough. And I'd say that of because we have like various spaces where we grow. We've got the glasshouse and then we've got external. Mm. Well, we have to really invest in that soil. Like I think we we mulch it like a couple of times a year, which seems ridiculous, but we grow so aggressively under glass that we have to constantly be adding organic matter to to be giving back to the soil because it's not it, you know it just it can't keep pumping out flowers and being mm-hmm. used that way. So we yeah we we do invest a lot in in the glass house. You know we we mulch once um, per year outside versus twice a year inside. I've got a nosy question. So obviously we are a duo, and I would call myself the crazy ideas lady. Like I'm <laughs> the person who turns around and it's like let's. Should we do a podcast, that. Nicole? Should we, should we just do it? Is there was it one of you guys who turned around one day and just said let's? Oh, I can grow see flowers. you guys. The listeners can't see that sly little look. 
that just happened between Marianne and Camilla there, but there's definitely one of them. That's such a good question because Marianne is basically, she is that person. I mean, <laughs> yes, hilarious. never ever stops having ideas. Like we've actually not executed her last idea when she's like, oh, I've got another one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still very much like a producer. Mm-hmm. I think can make things work and I'm you know sort of like you know like very logistically minded so yeah we yeah we we have a, a similar partnership I think <laughs> you can't I don't think yeah you I think, do ideas people it just doesn't work I, do, I think we both we're lucky that we both are always absolutely on the same page creatively and we have a real shorthand where Camilla will say something that will be completely incomprehensible to someone else about an idea she's got and she knows that I'm going to get what that looks like and we don't have to like articulate that those particular vessels would look hideous and this would be the way to do it we just get it that is so I would say we have absolutely the same taste and that for us works brilliantly but yeah we definitely have we definitely just have strengths so I I always say I'm the one that kind of yeah pumps out all these ideas some of which are ridiculous uh unhelpful and I I have given Camilla a lot of extra grey hairs, I think, because she also just is such a doer that she makes things happen. And sometimes neither of us are very good at saying, maybe we've got enough things happening at the moment. Let's not make any more things happen right now. And probably we need that third person to be like, we're, we're doing it better now because children absolutely creates that parameter for you. It forces you to slow down. But otherwise, potentially there does need that third person to sometimes be like, maybe a bit too ambitious, guys. Just uh, just um, chill out. I'm just going to, I know you're not actively hiring, but if I could nominate anyone for that job, it would be Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I am the back in the room person. Yeah, back in love the room. you, Nicole. But I will be like, what about this? And Nicole will be like, Sarah back back to earth Uh, let's should we take that down and and I'm like okay fine (laughs) (laughs) we'll give you a call Nicole if ever it's getting a bit scary I'm here for you ladies I'm here for you (laughs) Um, but going back a little bit to your growing space so am I right in saying that the space that you grow on is actually quite a historical site in your area like the glass houses are pretty old it's it's got a long standing of of growing there are they Victorian glass houses? No, not quite that old. <laughs> they're, they're sort of 60s, 70s glass houses. So they're they're definitely not beautiful Victorian glass houses. And they're it's a pretty rickety site. You know, it's 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 a little bit disheveled and dilapidated. We have managed to find the beauty and create beauty on this site, but it's um yeah, it's quite rough and ready and it's sandwiched between two quite big roads in North London. So it's quite quite a unique growing site. And what's the size of it? Three and a half acres. The site as a whole is, yeah, three and a half acres. And we have 40 metres under glass, actually a little bit more because we have a um, half a propagation smaller glass house as well and then we say we have about a third of an acre of external growing space roughly and then the spot that you're in today Camilla is you've got an extra office on the site as well haven't you where you use for your creating and I, I can see a mad whiteboard going on there with lots of flower <laughs> names on so I'm guessing that's planning central as well that's happening there behind me is actually um we we make a record of everything we harvest and then it goes into a spread sheet every week so that we can keep track of what we're harvesting um, across the season and then yeah what you can see now is the workshop where we arrange and then we have a cool room next door when I say a cool room it's just a brick 
it's a brick room um, where <laughs> that's cool yeah, the outside where we store the flowers so that they you know that they rehydrate before they go out to florists and bride so when you moved to your site obviously having a glass house like that's quite a luxury and I suppose most people can only really compare that to polytunnel growing because I mean lots of gardeners have got greenhouses right but none of them really have any major space to grow things on the level you're growing at so did you find that quite a challenge I mean obviously you were new to flower growing then all of a sudden somebody basically gave you a hot house to um to grow in as well and I've seen your um Instagram and how it looks so much like a jungle in there sometimes but like an amazing jungle obviously did you find that quite a challenge to get to grips with as well yes we did I think it's impossible to I will try (laughs) and paint a picture of what that space looks like when we first walked in whatever the date was in April 2017 we got the keys we opened up the glass house it was still full of um, horticultural staging so kind of metal raised benches there were heating pipes running down each side which were no longer in use because it was a complete money sink to heat the glass house And, and that's never been something we wanted to do wanted to work you know in step with the season and use unheated conditions but there was there was no soil because everything had been grown in grow bags so when there's nothing growing inside a space populated with glass it's it is like a barren desert uh wasteland it was so hot we were also starting this not really with a kind of clear business plan of setting up a flower growing business solely we'd had kind of big ideas but everything was evolving and changing all the time so we didn't think right the first thing we need to do is improve the soil make sure that it's not going to erode all over the paths so we need to build beds and we need to make sure we've got irrigation in there to keep those plants happy and so they don't get stressed and we don't get loads of problems with aphids and other pests you know that wasn't we were just going in blind we started by sowing some seeds initially they were just sort of in trays and that just doesn't work on a grand scheme you know a big scale so yeah there was lots of lots of issues you know everything was very stressed out in the early days because we weren't watering them enough um, we had a lot of issues with plants getting decimated with pests which we still do from time to time but it's it, it this was you know everything was was very stretched I would say um, in terms of like being a happy healthy plant We've just rolled with it and learned a bit every year. And uh, that really has been through trial and error, as you say. And uh, you mentioned aphids as your pests. Um, but I think I had a common pest last year by the way of Mr. Fox. I've never been so terrified in all my life to find a fox in my polytunnel. I think the other plot holders thought I was being murdered because the screams that came as I legged it from uh, from the the plastic but do you do you find like it's quite different being in a more urban environment like the kind of things that you encounter yeah i mean we're very you know we're members of flowers on the farm so you know our fellow members will regularly complain about deer you know we obviously don't have problems with deer um but or rabbits, rabbits or like, <laughs> you know we have we have had the odd mouse um the foxes are actually they're not malicious but they do play in newly planted beds and where we've got like beds for things like sweet peas they like love to dig um they love so- new soil don't they like fresh mulch and things like that yeah they just love it's to need toilet up. yeah <laughs> to, um so we've had to learn how to like um you know ward the foxes off and then yeah i mean oh, do you have a, a fox tip for me the, the, the most useful uh, i've useless i've had is male urine which my husband refuses yeah <laughs> that is that's a good tip actually mm. oh does it actually work yeah um oh, well, he's gonna have to reconsider his position like lots of things 
things that you can do with chicken wire that the foxes like it just becomes too annoying for them so mm. things like when we plant out our tulips we always run chicken wire across the bed and then they don't they don't dig them up because lots of other people have problems with squirrels but weirdly we don't have a problem with squirrels on this site so yeah we always find that that chicken wire helps do you have any very uniquely like london pests finding a drunk well, person in your greenhouse but... <laughs> on a Sunday or something we well on the whole we um, are very lucky we don't get many errant people wandering through the the glass house but we there is also a rather beautiful palm house on the site and Mm -hmm. in that palm house there was once some crickets bred for educational kind of children's education um, program and they are enormous you know they're like I'm talking kind of two inches across like giant alien type critters and they have migrated into our glass house and we discovered that they really love chrysanthemums so they will eat the chrysanthemum petals and I swear you can actually hear their little teeth chomping the (laughs) chrysanthemum petals they're so huge and think I mean I'm not I'm not scared of spiders I'm not squeamish about Mm -hmm. things you know creepy crawlies i think they're all they're all wonderful there's a space for all of them but you try and like psych yourself up to catch a cricket get it in your hands and feel it start panicking and jumping and you cannot stay calm like i i I did it on my own once and i was just like screaming and shrieking and (laughs) then then it feels like it's all over you and it's so that is our most it feels like it's all over me now from the description (laughs) it's not it's not unique to london but it's unique to our site um mm. i would say that's our worst pest and uh we don't really know how to get rid of them so you know you get a lot of chrysanthemum flowers so we try we essentially tried to live with them last year but i don't think there's anything else london specific would you say camilla no not really i mean we we probably have the same aphid problems that most growers undercover yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's good to know that, you know, wherever you are, they come for you, whatever they are, there's always something new to deal with. And, you know, like you're growing as, I don't know if you're organically certified, but you try and grow as organically as possible, don't you? Um, From having organic blooms before, we know what a, what a rigmarole it is to get that sort of certification. It doesn't sound easy at all, but, you know, you're not using any kind of pesticides or anything to get rid of them. You're literally, Marianne, going out there with your two hands and catching the little terrors. <laughs> yes we are we um last year we had a lot of aphids at the point where we were putting the half hardies into the glass house and i did go outside and pick all the ladybirds off the fennel where they were <laughs> having a really happy life and bring them into the glass house because i felt like we needed some extra backups we do buy biological controls like ladybirds and lacewing from um you know people that breed those specifically for gardeners um mm-hmm. and we would use something like various different nematodes for different pests um so that's you know putting microorganism into the soil to deal with things like carrot root fly or it can help with slug damage with dahlias but yes absolutely we're not using any chemical sprays we use compost teas to to, um or a liquid organic seaweed feed to um help feed our plants or organic certification for us is tricky because we are on a multi-use site 
shared mm, with different yeah. groups and to try and control who is like no one is using chemicals on the site but people people garden in slightly different ways and to try and control that is just too complicated so we we've, we've let go of that as an ambition for this particular site but yes we are absolutely organic in the in the way we approach the task and do you use any like sacrificial plants and most people call it companion planting don't they but i like to think of them as a sacrifice to the aphids yeah yeah they are they are the sacrificial lamb aren't they um <laughs> we i'd say there is always i'd say definitely in the glass house it doesn't matter what companion plant you plant because actually the crop that you want the crop that you're most looking forward to will always be your sacrificial lamb that's just the way it works <laughs> so, last season is the ammy which and we basically didn't have an ammy majors crop last season because we just the thing with pests the, the, thing, the thing with pests is you have to get ahead once you've got the problem if you're growing with an organic approach like us you just can't you can't beat them with with mm-hmm. biological like so so l- last season it was the ammy this season it was kind of more or less the cyanoglossum and we have to be pretty sanguine about it and we have to be pretty like you know keep your head up it's fine you know the larkspur is looking great the daucus is looking great and yes we won't have a great cyanoglossum crop and that's fine we'll have a great cyanoglossum crop next season and that that is you know that's what growing with this sort of approach and ethos is is all about you sort of have to roll with it a bit and yes we do you know we we you know we have coriander and we have nasturtiums but th- they go for them and then they just go for the stuff you love as well <laughs> <laughs> They've just got extra food. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of things that you're growing and that's what we'd really love to talk to you a bit more about today because although you grow the ami, which is, you know, really popular with uh, like local flower growers, you also grow more unusual things perhaps people haven't considered as part of their repertoire, shall we say. So do you want to talk us through some of the things that the listeners should maybe be considering when they're planning next year's, next year's gardening? One of the we're growing properly this year which we've absolutely loved um is sorrel so sorrel mm. is actually uh, what our veg growers veg grower neighbors grow obviously as an edible um and but if you let sorrel bolt it has the most wonderful sort of peachy rosy um seed head um Ooh. which fresh looks brilliant um in an arrangement but then also has this incredible other life as um a dried um as ah. a dried crop. so mm. it's for us you know the versatility of a crop like sorrel is just game changing and we filled half a bed on our um, on one of our external plots with sorrel and i think we'll i think we'll do a whole bed next year because it's you don't really have to look after it very much marianne is really great at like sort of looking at what other people are growing and sort of having a snip there and just you know sticking stuff in an arrangement so she she's really a fan of the wild and and the weedy yeah i think we are in a unique position as well as growers in london in that the wild and weedy is something that is harder for london florists and a London customer to access. So whilst I might feel really excited about something like Sanfoin, which is a cover crop that um, big growers using arable lands will be familiar with. And if they were listening to this, they might be like, 
like selling that is a bit you know that that's a bit outrageous because that's something we grow acres and acres of but in london sanfoin which is a beautiful pink um uh legume leguminous uh, flower um as in um it's nitrogen fixing it's a really unique beautiful thing to include in an arrangement so in the same way that shepherd's pur- purse which grows in the pavement cracks can really get our florists excited because of the heart-shaped seed pods which are beautiful within a, a bridal bouquet if you live in the countryside and you have you know i saw a whole conversation the other day about people saying oh, i would never um sell cow parsley to anyone well in london people are, are so excited about that kind of wild aesthetic and things that do connect us with a countryside that we don't we don't see on a day-to-day basis so i think or something like buckwheat we love as well it, it's a cover crop um has a beautiful white frothy flower i think we just want to find the unusual so my one of my favorite things to do is just to wander around our site and at some point in years past someone planted quite a lot of interesting shrubs and there are there are little kind of ghosts of, of someone's hand sowing things in, in the soil and just discovering those and different things crop up every year i just find that such an exciting way of creating you know particularly if you're w- working on a bridal bouquet to find the unusual I think so I think in some ways yes look for things that have a different use like you know again Vasilia is is a beautiful cover crop but don't but just keep your eyes open and look in the garden and keep trying things yeah and testing how long things they last in water isn't it I was at my granny's house and she's got amazing wisteria and I was like <coughs> do you think it will <laughs> will it cut will it maybe oh. it sort of did it had medium success it, I does, enjoyed it. it, it does for yeah. a day or so yeah it didn't last very long but I enjoyed it and that's all that counts I think <laughs> That used to be our number one question. Does that cut? Does that cut mm. well? <laughs> Can I cut that? Mm. <laughs> but I, it was the shepherd's purse. I'd seen, I'd had it growing all over my allotment and I was like, what is this damn weed here? And then literally the next day I saw a story that done about this weed that you loved and I was like, oh my, I've got tons of this stuff. And I was like, then I'm, and then I've been cutting it for everything and I've, it looked so cute. So I think it's that like changing the way you look at things isn't it because it's not all about the the dahlias and the mums and the you know, the big showy things or the fashionable stuff like Amy at the moment it's just looking through it isn't it and seeing actually what else grows and I think like if you embrace that you, you have like less of a struggle as well don't you it's about approaching the year as a whole as well so thinking about the lean months and what you're going to be craving so in winter you need texture for re- and you need you really are colour stuff so whilst tansy isn't a particularly it's not a sophisticated palette it's bright yellow but when you it dries brilliantly so when you include that within a wreath it gives you that pop of color and that memory of summer that you are in desperate need of and you know even something like hoary cress which is a really pernicious um, annual weed that grows all over our allotment if you if you dry those flowers you dry this sort of beautiful white um, I mean it's not it's not anything special but it's just about looking even the most humble of weeds and just seeing if that's going to have any use for you and I think that is a different mindset and it you know that maybe is slightly different to if you're trying to grow we're not a massive flower farm so we're not growing 25 meters of I don't know anything we're not growing 25 meters of anything we (laughs) we're growing small pockets and then we're looking at what else is going to bring a snapshot of the season into the into the work that we make so yeah getting your cutting eyes in is Mm -hmm. 
is a top tip i'd say well and reframing it um not calling them weeds you could just call them like volunteers they yeah. volunteer so enthusiastically in a way that the plants that we want to grow do not i've currently got weeds in my guttering and i've got seedlings that died even though i love them patiently every day and i've literally got plants growing in my guttering yeah there you are <laughs> Give them a a snip. Yeah, see if they'll cut. Will it cut? Find out. It's also the joy of being a flower grower that we're not guided, we're not limited by what is available at the market. So we have this sort of like playground to play in where, yes, some of the things that we grow thrive and some of the things that we plan for do really well and that's brilliant. And then, like you say, there's all of these weedier bits that grow at the edges that we sort of start to experiment with and over time, some of those things turn out to be really useful and and that those are definitely things that we should be taking advantage advantage of because that's that's so unique really into in the world of floristry mm. yeah and I, I guess like what you're saying about the market that you're in I find that quite interesting because I don't think I'd really considered like how it's going to change from one place to the next so much with you know like you say if you're in the the, the rolling hills of Derbyshire for example and you're you know everyone's used to seeing pretty flowers growing everywhere they become like less ex- not less exciting because everyone loves flowers right in the concrete jungle of London you're you see less and less of those things growing naturally don't you so people are more excited to see the the cow parsley like you said or the other bits and pieces that you can you know I always look at shrubs quite differently now as a flower grower I find them more exciting my husband thinks everything's a hydrangea when I point it out to him that's his favorite thing to say <laughs> but I'm like no they if only they grew wild if only they did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we make it like use weeds. We do grow a lot of flowers. Yeah, it, yeah. People aren't just going to get a bouquet of weeds from you. Uh... Hey, hey, we're not calling them weeds. They are wild volunteer flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess like when you were setting up, did you have to think about how you were going to sell differently to the area that you're in? Did, did you did florists want more traditional things? Did you find it was a market that needed cracking if you like or were people quite bought into what you were offering so we to be honest we started only retelling Loris in our second season our first season as you can imagine if you start trying to grow anything in April like I mean you're done for like the season has happened too late catching the end of it and then so then we 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 started in the 2018 season in the autumn um you know thinking a bit more ahead and Marianne um had a baby um later on that season and so it was really more of a reaction to okay well what can we do this season because we weren't going to do lots of wedding work because you know because Marianne um, wasn't around didn't come back until later on so it was more just I went round to a florist and said oh you know cool can I cut you some flowers you know put a bucket together or you can tell me if you like them and and really like I did that with maybe three local florists and it built up from there I mean we are not large-scale flower farm like people aren't coming to us saying they want 300 stems of that and 500 stems of this like actually now we're much better more ambitious confident growers so these days we can actually cut in the hundreds but we actually still really like selling to florist you know in a sort of more curatorial way we sort of have a relationship and a dialogue florist like they they trust us they give us a palette they tell us what they're making what they're building and then we get to you know we can cut them they want but we can also say oh i 
I think this will work. And, and that's that's a really wonderful relationship to have because we, it means that we think creatively. And in a way, we, you know, that they it's definitely their design, but we sort of can have a relationship with them where, where we influence that a little bit. And that is that, you know, we, we sell to, they, you know, North and East London florists that really share our ethos and share our, like, love of the seasons and, and wanting to, like, really embrace the season in, in floristry. And you're not just selling to florists, though, are you? You've got a subscription going, you, you do your own weddings. You've really got quite a lot going on, haven't you? And you do workshops. I've been to one of your workshops. Yes, you have, back at the Garden <laughs> Museum. Oh, well, um, yeah. <laughs> We love doing workshops, and I think the workshops we focus on aren't about how to set up a five-acre flower farm, but are more... We find we get a lot of people who are leaving the world of broadcast and TV who have had the same experience as us, and I think that might be a coincidence, but a kind of, like, a desire to get back... To, you know, some people are creative people. They're drawn to creative industries, and then they end up doing quite uncreative jobs. I think a connection with flowers and nature is something that also significantly a lot of women I don't think I'm stereotyping to say that lots of women have a kind of nurturing element within them whether they're mothers or not and so we, we find we get loads of women who are from those backgrounds coming to, to teach with us uh, to, to learn with us so that's something we love the subscriptions we paused this year just from a capacity point of view but is something we're really passionate about trying to enable local people to to access locally grown flowers but in, in, the, in the absence of that service this year it has been all about empowering people to just have a go and you know sow some cosmos seeds cut you know vase upon vase of cosmos through the the tail end of the summer you don't need to be growing masses of flowers to be able to bring stuff into your home so i think that's i know we're going to talk a bit more about it but the um our book we've written this year um how to grow the flowers is all about that it's all about making people realize that you don't need to be growing everything and taking this on as a as a full-blown career there are things you can grow super easily like cornflower was our kind of cornflowers or sweet peas were like our gateway flowers into doing this and you can just cut masses of flowers and that is so brilliant as a morale booster lots of di- we, we always have lots of different things going on you need lots of different revenue streams when you're a small business you need to be light on your feet doing the wedding work also means we also get to be creative and design with our our flowers and you learn so much about the, the stock you're you're selling to others and the plants and you're growing and how they behave when you you include them in your own work i have a quick well, newsy question because oh. you do your own wedding work and i love to ask people who do wedding flowers what do you think is coming up in the years to come in terms of like wedding flower trends what do you think is in store i know i'm sorry big question <laughs> i mean i don't know if i've got any I, I feel like the things i've previously said are maybe a bit maybe they're a bit old hat now and i'm not sure because we've, we've taken a year off weddings mm-hmm. more or less this year because of reduced capacity i'm on maternity leave again but i would say Dried flowers are something people are con- considering with with way more excitement and confidence than they would have done previously. I don't think the garden aesthetic, you know, that's our style, the kind of garden gathered wild aesthetic, that's not going anywhere, I would say. Mm. Although I would say it's 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 blending with things like a, a more Japanese Contemporary. style. Con- it, th- there's ways in which that can be fused and there are, you know, particular florists that do that really beautifully. So I, I don't think... I think there's ways in which those two things can kind of meld together. But in terms of if there's anything else like really new coming through, I I, I feel like perhaps those are those are a bit old hat now as as, as trends. I think also <laughs> one of the things I'm really surprised about, and I read it does become a trend, is that we've had far fewer brides this year asking. I mean, listen, I've got nothing against blush tones. Like we grow a lot of that, but it's <laughs> 
when bra and florists approach us saying, oh, I want loads of colour. And I feel this year we're getting way more orders for colour. And I think that's just brilliant because so often people use Pinterest as their inspiration. Mm. They don't really use like the outside world. Mm-hmm. And, and like that, that's quite difficult sometimes um, as flower grows. So when people look out their window and they see loads of colour and they embrace it and then they come to us and they, they want that, that's just brilliant because they, they really get the best mm-hmm. stock, the absolute best. I don't that think wasn't Cathy Olay is on her fully mm-hmm. way out just yet, but I do I do agree. I think we're going to less of a year. That was the answer I wanted. Like I wasn't trying to lead you there, <laughs> but I'm just like trying to convince myself that we're moving to the bright. I just really, just really want that for everyone. Because I have definitely been that blushy girl, but I'm, I'm actually, I convinced myself I didn't like yellow. And I think it was Instagram that did it to me because I've been looking at like trying to get some more inspiration and I like yellow I really do it's brainwashed me and I'm going to embrace the colour well I honestly just chat to you ladies all day long I probably got another million and one questions that I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you what you wear at the allotment I wanted to talk to you about the uh, exciting Vogue uh, Vogue piece that you did there's so much so much stuff But so maybe we'll have to get you back on another time but we have one last question for you today Sarah's favourite question she's looking at me a bit blankly in horror there but she knows the question Uh, if you had one piece of advice for the people listening for the sort of season to come what would it be so i would i i we don't say this very often because we normally actually to this sort of question we actually give pretty like dorky answers you know but i I, i'm sorry i'm gonna go a little bit off tangent here oh i like an off tangent go for it i'm gonna say like really maintain the joy in 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 what you're doing because Mm. we so many people say i want to do what you do and 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 i want to i want to grow flowers and I want, I want to sell those flowers and I think in a way that's incredibly flattering when Marianne and I have people say that to us because it means that we're you know hopefully um, inspiring people but I think really like there's no way to there's no better way to really like kill the thing you love by turning it into a business <laughs> so I really maintain the joy like really savour like growing things and learning about it and like embracing failure and learning from that failure and then further down the line if you want to make it into a business like go for it understand that it's a tough way to make a living but it's I mean we'll never we've never looked back like neither of us like wants to be producers ever again respect to people that are producers but that, that's not what we do now and but but we the way that we work is relentless and aggressive and we're super lucky to do it but, but I, I would say definitely keep the joy and we have to say we have to say this to each other all the time like when we have a crop that does really well like Marianne's really good at this she'll be like that was great we should have a moment and just really celebrate that now because growing is so relentless that you're always on to the next you're like right we've done that fine yeah we did that like what oh great that's just died that's healed over all right what are we gonna do about that and and it's it, it can really really you know after a while you you forget to enjoy it and realize mm-hmm. that your office is this amazing glass house full of flowers so so yeah i i'm saying this to you guys but really i'm saying it to myself which is always <laughs> um at the center of what you're doing and growing because it's um yeah it's pretty tough i feel like you can have that printed on t-shirts keep the joy <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be mantra from now on. I'm, I'm stealing that one. So thank you. And we can't possibly let you ladies go anywhere without, you know, Marianne, you briefly mentioned it, but this amazing book that you guys have got coming out, which I am super excited about. I have a lot of flowery books, but this one just sounds like <laughs> it, it's going to be a good one. I really can't wait. And I love the title of it. It's just so like, grow the flowers. Yeah, grow them. <laughs> How to grow the flowers. We're going to grow all of the flowers. 
and that's out in September, isn't it? Fifteenth of September. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The the title was was um was hard to come by because obviously, as you say, there are lots of flower books out there. It riffs off Constance Spry's brilliant little short volume written in the fifties called How to Do the Flowers. So we were kind of nodding to the fact that a lot of the advice we give about being seasonal and working with what you've got and looking around you at to find beauty and to experiment is all stuff that Constance Spry was saying. You know, we're not we're not innovative. We're not coming up with new truths. That advice was out there long, long ago. So we kind of wanted to recognise that by riffing off of her title. And I think as well, we know that there's not only one way to grow anything. People have very different circumstances, whether that's the time they've got, the space, the soil. So in some ways, there is no one way to grow the flowers, but grow them and and just get out there and do it. And I think that's what our book tries to celebrate. And we finally got our hands on a on a hard copy um, after. Oh, that after was exciting! And and I feel like I can finally speak about it with real pride and enthusiasm, having been terrified and a bit bashful and a bit aware that we're telling people how to grow the flowers when we've only been doing it a few years ourselves, but. I think we're really proud of what we've made. It's a really beautiful book. It made beautiful by Aloha Shaw, who's the photographer we worked with over a whole year. She came and documented what we did. She got dusty, dilapidated, scruffy sight to a T and she's made the book what it is. And we're just really excited about it finally. So I, I can't wait for you guys to see it too. So talk to us. Pre-order, is that where we're at? In the... Yeah, we will share a pre-order link with you and it's available for pre-order at all reputable bookstores and it's coming out to yeah it won't come out it won't be arriving on people's doorsteps until our 15th of September and it's published mm-hmm. by Billion and yeah we're so excited for it it's it's really we've really focused on inspiring newbie growers people that people that don't do what we do to just get out there and and, and try it and be you know feel empowered to to grow um in a way that they might not have done before you know we've all gone to the garden center and you know spent gazillions of pounds on plants but this isn't that this is you know doing it doing it the way that we do it and i'm absolutely in awe of how you guys have managed to somehow squeeze it in in between running a business not just growing flowers growing babies and everything else so you know it's really kudos to you both and i'm so excited to get my hands on a copy hopefully hopefully before the 15th of september maybe there'll be some press copies flying around i i I need to i'm desperate to see this book (laughs) but thank you ever so much for your time today ladies if the listeners want to come and find you you're on all the usual kind of places right you're on instagram and is and you're on their wolves lane flower company as a whole word right yeah yeah we're, um, people can always email us um, our website has um, information as well wolves lane flower company um, .com. um so yeah those are the best places to find us well thank you again ladies and um, we look forward to seeing what comes next for you great thank you so much thank you it's outro time thank you so much for listening and for your support we are loving this season so far and we hope you are too if you love the episode as much as we love doing it then we would be so grateful if you left us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also subscribe and you can find us on instagram for more of our adventures at let's go girls podcast We're really grateful having you here listening to all of our interviews with our amazing guests and we hope that you carry on enjoying the rest of the season. See you next week. Bye. Bye. You sounded really far away when you said that. Were you sat back? 
Yeah, because I didn't want to shout at our people, you know. 